0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is KCR College Radio, the award winning sign of the state. This is Aztec Sportscast. I am your host, Andrew Vargas, and this is episode 13 of Aztec Sportscast, the season finale. So, this is our last episode for fall semester. We'll be back in the spring semester. And across from me is my uh, co host, uh, Brevin. How are you doing today, Brevin?
1: Good. It was uh, doing good, Andrew. It was a great week of. Uh, a great weekend, really. You had Thanksgiving, got to celebrate with family and friends. You had uh, Aztec basketball winning the Las Vegas Invitational. We're going to get more into that. We're going to talk about Aztec football beating BYU uh, this past weekend. And really, was just a great weekend overall. Andrew, how was your Thanksgiving?
0: Very good, very good. Um, you know, I was all stuffed up as soon as, you know, the turkey was ready, the ham, mashed potatoes. Uh, green beans, uh, you name it, pumpkin pie. So yep. I was all filled up. And after that, it took a, a very long uh, siesta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to talk about our um, STSU uh, weekly sports. So I'm going to uh, toss it to you, but starting with football.
1: All right, yeah, football, we talked about, like I just said, they beaten BYU. Um, they do not play this weekend because um, they lost at Hawaii two weeks ago. They are not playing in the conference championship this week, so they take the week off, but will focus on recruiting this week. They will find out where they will head to their bowl game on this Sunday, December 8th. Um, Alright, let's go to the hardwood for women's basketball, where we have conference play beginning uh, this week. Uh, they play two conference games, then they play some road games and head back to the conference schedule. So this week, they, on Wednesday women's basketball team, they play here on Wednesday against Colorado State. Tip-off is set for 6.30 p.m. On a Saturday, women's basketball takes on San Jose State up in Northern California. That big game begins at 2 p.m. On the men's side, um, it's rotate uh, flip-flop. So the men's team, they're at Colorado State. They're heading up to Fort Collins to take on the Rams at 7 p.m. This game is not on TV, but it will be on the stadium stream. You can still listen to this game on the radio, 101.5 KGB, XTRA 1360 will have the call in Fox Sports IE. And then the men's team will play Sunday at home against San Jose State right here at Vejas Arena. This game begins at 12 noon. You um, can watch this game on Fox Sports San Diego and the same radio frequencies um, like every single men's basketball game, uh, 101.5 KGB. Extra 1360 and Fox Sports IE 1350. All right, and let's talk about the basketball game. This uh, very,
0: very good uh, streak going on right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as you mentioned at the top of the show, the men's basketball team won the um, Las Vegas um, Invitational. Mm -hmm. So that was very good. They play very good quality opponents. Uh, You know, in that first uh, game against Creighton, Uh, Big East uh, opponent, Um, Mm -hmm. Asics won 83-52, the biggest um, victory so far early in the season, would you say?
1: Yeah, it's definitely up there, you know, you think about that win that they got at BYU, you know, know, how tough it is to win up there, you know, not even that 2010-2011 team could beat BYU, Mm -hmm. even though they had Jimmer Fredette that year, we had Kawhi Leonard that year to Beat BYU. It's got to be up there in one of the top wins so far in the early part of the season.
0: And yeah, and a lot of a lot of uh, contributions from the players. You know, such as Flynn, uh, Shaco, Metro, mm-hmm. um, uh, Yanni was very good. Had 15 points. Everybody had a you know double digit points. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was great to see Jordan Shackle really get back to shooting this weekend. Um, you know, the, the couple games leading up to this, he wasn't. He wasn't able to find that three-point shot, you know, it felt like, you know, playing LIU, playing Tennessee State, but what that did, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise and it opened the floor for other players to make baskets like Matt Mitchell, Malachi Flynn, you know, KJ Fagan making some of those timely threes, and for Flynn, you know, you talked about him, he had 21 points on 7-11 shooting and 3-6 of six from beyond the arc in that 83-52 to victory over Creighton, and... Creighton, they're a good opponent. We've seen them before. We saw them, I think it was six years ago when we played them. And you know, those teams that had Xavier Thames, and another sweet 16 team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not only they were pinning points to uh, ASICs players,
0: but, you know, rebounding, they had 30 rebounds compared to uh, Creighton's. They had 15. And, uh, you know, they've they scored 32 points in the paint mm-hmm. with uh, Creighton's. They had 20.
1: Yeah, that was huge, I think. Both of those stats combined shows how well they were able to attack the paint and attack the glass. And, you know, the bigs that we have, you know, Nathan Mensa and Yanni Wetzel both at 6'10". And then you got another 6'10 and Joel Mensa coming off the bench.
0: Mm -hmm. And also what very popped my eye was their um, Mm three-point shooting percentage. They were shooting 61% from the three-points field goal. And the field goals, they were uh, 55%. So that was a very excellent performance uh, from the Aztecs on that victory against Creighton. Uh, So let's talk about the other victory that they got against Iowa, which Mm -hmm. Iowa they beat uh, Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. Uh, Aztecs won that game 83-73. to The Aztecs
1: were behind the first half. Yeah, by as much as 16 points. Mm -hmm. And for them to come back and really have a 26-point turnaround really um, showed kind of like What this team can do when they're down. I mean, we saw that when they were down by nine at BYU, you know, and now they were down, you know, by 16 with 23 minutes left in the game. It was kind of one of those things that someone had to get going, and that someone was was Flynn, who put up 28 all in that second half, going 8 of 16 overall, and, you know, the 28 points helped him to be the tournament MVP of the Las Vegas Invitational.
0: And um, also Shackle had a very good game as well. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back games. He had uh, 14 points, uh, was 4-5 to five on the 3-point line. Had 6 rebounds under uh, 34 minutes of total play he was playing. And um, KG Faye had uh, 10 points in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to say something? Yeah, quick?
1: I think with Shackle, I think in that on in that Friday game, he was able to get the scoring going. He had those back to back threes early, and it really set the table for that game and how important that three point shooting was for players like Shackle. And then you eventually had Mitchell making those timely threes. You had, you know, Yanni Wetzel making a three and mm-hmm. kind of really set the tone for that second half.
0: And also, they were uh, good from the free throw uh, line. There were eighteen for. Nineteen, mm-hmm. uh, they shot the, on the field goal fifty-two percent, and from the uh, three points they were uh, forty-five uh, percent. So it was a very uh, resilient victory mm-hmm. against Iowa. So it's so a very good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Aztecs are off of their best start in such a long time, and they're eight and zero right now.
1: Yeah, they're eight and zero for the first time since 2010-2011 and you know with. Head coach Brian Dutcher, he knows that he's got, he knows that he's got guys that can shoot the ball, he guys that can score, you know, even Trey Pulliam and with Fagan and Flynn and Mitchell and Shackle at the guard position and down low. But I think the biggest question that has been answered has been the defense and how all the Essex have been able to rebound and you know force turnovers. I think that's been the key that Brian Dutcher's been looking at over these past few weeks to start the year and so they're gonna
0: face uh colorado state the first uh mountain west um opponent uh they'll face them this week on wednesday at colorado uh do you think it's gonna be a tough matchup you know going at a road game uh first um
1: you know mountain west conference opponent (laughs) i think it'll be a little bit difficult at first i think it's adjusting to playing at elevation it's adjusting to you know playing i think in a conference setting for a first time Mm -hmm. um this year especially for when you start three players that have never played in the conference and i think it's different for everyone because you're not used to playing a conference game in early december and that's because of the tournament the conference tournament moving up a week so Two games had to be scheduled to some other time, and this was the time to do it.
0: And, yeah, um, you know, they'll be facing Colorado, like I said, this week on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Um, San Diego State is favorite, uh, according to ESPN, 67%. But, you know, shouldn't overestimate Colorado Colorado State. They've won three in a row so far. Uh, they're 6-3. and three. I think one thing for them in order to... Uh, Get a W against a very, you know, first challenge for them, Mountain West opponent on the road is to stop their center, uh, Nico uh, Mm Carvacho. Yeah, he's the leading scorer and leading rebounder.
1: Yeah, he's the program leader in rebounds over at Colorado State. And, you know, if the Essex can find a way either to get him in foul trouble or to find a way to out-rebound him, you know, I think the Essex are going to find a way. I think the main thing is that if they can— Just play the way they've been playing their last eight games to be able to score at a high percentage, to be able to rebound, and really just to be able to have a good energy when playing. You know that's going to be the key, and you know hopefully they can be two and zero in this conference season when um, Monday comes around next week. Mm -hmm. And um,
0: not only that, but also this Sunday they're going to face San Jose State. Uh, they'll be playing on Sunday at 12 p.m. Uh, San Jose State is 3-5 and five so far in, in their season. Uh, as far as right now, uh, ESPN has them projected to win 99% for the Aztecs. So even though the Aztecs are projected by a heavyweight to win, they shouldn't
1: underestimate um, San Jose State. No, they shouldn't. I think, you know, with especially when you have this... Um, Non conference to prepare for your conference team. I think when you look at um, San Jose State, they've played some pretty good teams. They've played Arizona, they played UCLA, some Pac 12 opponents, and they played Oregon State as well. And, you know, I think even though they may have lost those three games, but that gets them ready to face, you know, some high, high competition you know, for them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the Aztecs.
0: Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I see that they lost against Arizona, uh, Oregon State, UCLA. They're going to face Utah State on Wednesday, so Mm that's another matchup for them to get prepared. But yeah, I think even though the Aztecs are heavy favorites to win on Sunday, they shouldn't underestimate the Spartans. Uh, You never know. You don't want to have that early, uh, ugly loss, too, in your resume. No,
1: definitely. I think, and that's another good point, is that resume. And Although coaches don't want to be talking about resumes here in November it's it's a big thing in November and December you know when you're able to beat teams you know like when you beat BYU um in Provo when you mm-hmm. beat you know two power 5 conference teams really in Creighton and Iowa both in the Big East and the Big 10 you know when you know you're going to be playing Utah in a couple of weeks you know Pac 12 You know, you're going to be playing teams at the top of your conference in Mm -hmm. Utah State and possibly New Mexico and Boise State. Mm -hmm. And when you think about a team like Iowa, they're going to be playing teams that are playing teams of the best in the country. Yeah. And, you know, that only helps this resume get better since you've won those two games. Mm -hmm. So, you
0: know, we're going to be on break and, you know, fortunately, we're not going to talk about. Uh, about the basketball team or sports in general. So that's a bummer for us. But, um, you know, the Aztecs are going to play December through January until we get mm-hmm. back on air. What is your um, expectation or what do you expect for the Aztecs basketball team for those two months?
1: I think it's continuing to play the way they have been. You know, I think when you, before the Aztecs headed to Vegas, they played teams like Tennessee State, LIU, Brooklyn, probably schools that people haven't heard of. But the way the Aztecs were able to play them, you know, a good the assist Brian Dutcher's assistant coaches got a really good scout on them. They knew both both teams were really pesky and were really able to defend the ball. Those six games really got them ready to play um, for Vegas, and you're hoping that the team's attitude, this team's high energy, continues into December and into conference play because when we saw last year's team. You know when they had losses to Brown, uh, even at US, uh, when they lost to USD, mm-hmm. you know, it's those type of games that couldn't get the Aztecs an at large bid into the NCAA tournament, and especially when at large bids in a mid major are falling, um, year, uh, as years go on.
0: Yeah, um, so I have the Aztecs, if I'm not mistaken, I have them at. Uh, They'll be playing in the month of December. Four the the next five games will be here at the Viejas Arenas. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your record wise for them to be um, for the month of December?
1: Uh, well, you've got. I'm. If the Aztecs, the Aztecs have to find a way to be able to beat. Um, first off, they've got. Uh, like we said, Colorado State and San Jose State. Those are the two most important games right now because of it's a conference game. Then you got teams like um, Saint Christian coming. I think the big one, like I said, is Utah. I think you got Cal Poly on that schedule. Mm-hmm. You've got um, Fresno and, mm-hmm. on
0: New Year's Day.
1: Yep. And then you got
0: uh, Utah State, ranked Utah State, on uh, mm-hmm. uh, the fourth of January, January. on Saturday mm-hmm. that on can. the road. Mm-hmm. On the road.
1: See, the big thing with that one is it depends on the health of. Um, Nemeus um the, the sophomore uh, forward from Utah State. And because we know what Sam Merrill is going to do, we saw what Merrill did last year against us, put, putting 32 points yeah. mm-hmm. um, against the Aztecs at home. Mm-hmm. And it, if the Aztecs can isolate all their other players and you know find a way to stop Sam Merrill, then the Aztecs are going to find a win and a good win and probably a quality win on the road.
0: I have the Aztecs. Now this is gonna sound very optimistic on my hand, but I have the Aztecs as uh, ten and four combined of January and December. Uh, I think they'll find a way to win against Colorado State. I think they'll win against San Jose State, uh, Christian College. Uh, that tough. It's gonna to be a tough one with uh, Utah. So I have them losing against that game. Cal Poly, I think they'll win that one. Fresno, I think they'll
1: win. They haven't be- I- Fresno hasn't hasn't lost to the Aztecs in a few years, and ho- I hope it continues for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Utah State, I haven't losing. Uh, Wyoming should be a tough one. Back to back road games. Um, I haven't won winning in that game. And then they'll be facing Boise State. And then from there they go to the road against Fresno. So yeah, I have as a, as a ten and four combined um, months for January and December. All right, so let's talk about the football team. Uh, their victory against BYU, thirteen to three, was the final score as the Aztecs won on Senior Night. Um, Fortunately for one senior uh, quarterback, um, Ryan Agda was not, wasn't able to play for uh, due to injuries, so uh, freshman quarterback uh, Carson Baker from Helix High alumni, you know, stepped up and he did pretty fine, would you say?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it seemed like, you know, with Rocky Long talking post-game, it seems like Carson wasn't really overwhelmed by what was going on, he just his coaches were able to you know, help him get through this game and help him, you know, what it took to get a victory.
0: And not only uh Carson, you know, the that they're, they're good did fine in the game, but um uh one of the players, uh Thompson for the uh for the Aztecs, he did pretty good as well. What'd
1: you say? Uh Tariq, right? Yeah, huh. Yeah, Tariq, you know, yes. getting that forced fumble on that fl- on the attempted flu flicker for BYU, um, you know, got that interception late and Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it was kind of vintage 2017 of Trey Thompson as a freshman. You know, the uh, player that played at Saint Augustine here, right here in San Diego. And
0: um, senior uh, punter Brandon Hecklin uh, was named Mountain West Special Teams Player of the Week. Um, you know, we were a little concerned early in the season that if the uh, Aztecs were to win this last game against BYU because you Mm -hmm. never know what to expect from this BYU. And uh, this BYU team averaged uh, 30 points uh, heading Mm -hmm. to Saturday, and they only scored a total Mm of three points.
1: See, and what the Aztecs were able to do, they were able to keep BYU out of the end zone and somehow not letting them kick their field goals. Mm -hmm. Um, BYU, they missed two field goals that could have kept them in the ballgame, especially for... The Aztecs not getting into the end zone or kicking field goals as much as they have. You know, there was, I think it was in the second quarter. I think it was, um, the Aztecs were deep in the end zone or in the red zone, and it was fourth and about I think a one, and they decided to go for it instead of, kick the field goal, yeah. mm-hmm. and they didn't they didn't get that first down, and that could have been three points that could have been the difference in the ball game. Yeah. Luckily. The defense, like we said, uh, Tariq Thompson, the defense of, um, you know, Luke Mm Barku, Darren Hall, you know, the defense was able to step up and make plays. I think Luke Barku could have had, I think, maybe two or three interceptions if Mm -hmm. the ball wasn't tipped out of his hands. Yeah. Just a side question, Brian, but do you think he'll be
0: drafted in the NFL?
1: I think there's a chance, although it hurts that he hasn't been here for four years. Yeah, because you know, I, was, I was listening to the mm-hmm.
0: broadcast. I was watching the game on, on television. They were saying that uh, that they wouldn't be surprised if Luke Barker mm-hmm. would hear a name, you
1: know, if he gets drafted yeah. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think it's... When you think about players that have gone on to play in the NFL that are ASICs, especially on the defensive side, the first name that comes to mind has to be Demonte KZ. You know, the program leader in interceptions, you know, he led the NFL in interceptions last year with seven. And, you know, I think it's great when you can compare, when you have people comparing Luke Barkoud to DeMonte KZ for what Barkoud's been able to do this year. Mm-hmm. You know, eight interceptions, I think it's tied for first in the country and shows the, the defensive energy that they've been able to do to force uh, turnovers. Mm-hmm.
0: One last thing for the, uh before we talk about um some uh college football throughout the uh, nation um
1: what uh ball game do you think the Aztecs will be playing in December I want to say I think they go to the Cheez-It Bowl I think uh or they're going to go somewhere in Arizona where it's a Cheez-It Bowl whether it's the um home Loans, um, I think Native home Loans Arizona Bowl I think they're going to go to Arizona for their bowl game I think it's because of they haven't been there before. You look at bowl games, and you know there's reasons why people go to bowl games. That same bowl game year after year. You know, you think mm-hmm. about Hawaii playing in the Hawaii bowl. You know, that's obviously because of travel. No one wants to travel more than on the West Coast mm-hmm. to go to Hawaii. I think. Um, you know, we know Las Vegas is out of the question because you got to win the Mountain West Conference. Um, I think. Idaho's out of the table off the table. Um I think someone else is gonna get the Idaho potato bowl.
0: Uh well I'm still sticking to my preseason um, <laughs> ball. I think they'll go to the Idaho bowl, but I could be wrong. I mean I was wrong I had them winning um eight games and mm-hmm. losing four, but you know, they improve on um, one game two. Two games, sorry. Um and it could be three. With a third one they'll be a ten. Mhm. So Excuse me. So I was wrong that I thought they were gonna win at least eight games, including the ball game. Well, at but... least you were
1: right. They got eight games. Yeah. You know, it's it's a bounce back here that Rocky Long likes. You know, it's last year just summarized how tough it was to be able to do the stretch of winning ten games. You know, for a fourth year, it's you know when things every little thing didn't go the Aztecs' way. You know, not being able to force turnovers, not being able to have you're starting backfield, you know, and all these things started culminating, and, you know, now now the Essex are starting to see what happens when the Essex have their backfield, when they have experience, you know, getting coaches that have experience, you know, Brady Hoke being that reason, you know, kind of changing that D-line, you know, that young D-line that we thought was a question heading into this year, you know, and obviously the injuries and how, the injury bug affected the Aztecs last year.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Aztec Sports Cats here on KCR College Radio, the award-winning sound of state. Uh, we just discussed plenty of SDSU sports from our weekly sports. Uh, we discussed about the Aztecs basketball team and the football team. Now let's talk about some uh, collegiate football.
1: Um, anything that stood out to you uh, this past Saturday, Brevin? I think none better than the iron bowl game, yeah, Alabama uh-huh. and Auburn. And I think it really showed, um, how good Auburn really is. And I think yeah. it also showed that Alabama's not going to be in the college football playoff. In, yeah. Likely. So now, <laughs> no. now losing two games and, and you know, it's, it's not like the Alabama we've te- team that we've seen in recent years.
0: No, I agree with that. Um, you know, I initially thought it was gonna be Alabama and Clemson again, whatever uh-huh. it is, part five, six, whatever <laughs> it is. But I was wrong with on that part. But I'm glad it's not like it's not gonna be like that mm-hmm. matchup. But uh, yeah, I agree that Alabama doesn't look that ferocious program from years past. I mean, they're still a good, great program, football program, but they just need a lot of. Um, uh, they're losing in recruiting, you know, a lot, especially mm-hmm. in your you cross rival from Georgia, mm-hmm. Florida. Uh, you're also losing players from LSU, mm-hmm. um, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of competition in mm-hmm. recruiting. So Alabama probably will bounce back, but mm-hmm. I don't think they'll be as ferocious as years yeah, past. Yeah,
1: I think that's due to, I think that pressure of you, you have to win compared to, you know, instead of competing as a freshman, you know, when you, you're at Alabama that first year, it's, and when you go to a team like Georgia or Florida and, or even like Oklahoma or something like that, you know, you're growing into this program and you're going to be in there until you're a senior and you've got time to learn and get better, hopefully by your second year at that program. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, not only that, but just how the way they they lost, you know, uh-huh. how Alabama lost against Auburn. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, a couple of mistakes from their quarterback, you know, since Tua Togaloa is out for the season. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it was kind of a little, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, an excuse for uh, Nick Saban, you know, blaming on the referees <laughs> for having an unfair trick. It's like, come on, you're the one of the greatest college football coaches in the nation, and you're out there making excuses Mm -hmm. instead of holding it accountable to Mm -hmm. yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, too, it's just like what you said. I think another game that stood out had to be, you know, for the American Conference, that Memphis-Cincinnati game, and Mm -hmm. really finding out who wants wants to be part of the New Year's Six Bowl between those two teams, and it turned out Memphis was that team. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. Because, I, you know, I don't think a two-loss team from the group of five is going to be in that New Year Six. Unless something happens where all those teams that are possible to play in that New Year Six lose two games. Alright,
0: before we unveil our um, top four uh, teams that will make it to the college football playoff, I'm going to read some ads on behalf of KCR College Radio. Fans of podcasts, make sure to tune in to KCR On Demand, the newest, plat- mo- the newest platform for entertainment from your radio hosts here at SCSU. Find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud at KCR College Radio. No plans for the weekend? Check out the House of Blues in downtown San Diego for, for some amazing concerts in one beautiful venue. Make sure to check out our giveaways on KCR dot live.com for a chance to win tickets to concerts throughout the semester and stop by music on the mesa from 12 p.m to 1 p.m on thursdays for more giveaway opportunities all right baron so i'm gonna um, have you reveal your top four um college football teams who is your top four that will be in the college football playoff
1: all right um Number 1 originally I had LSU and then Ohio State but I think it's going to be Ohio State and really that the win that they had this past weekend against Michigan really showed how good of a football team they are and you know yeah you know it's people probably projected that game to be closer than it should have been but for Ohio State really to play like they did I think I would be surprised if they're going to be that number 1 team you know and then you've got LSU right there and then I think, then you have Clemson. I think it's Clemson's that three spot just because of the the weaker teams that they have in that ACC. The weaker teams compared to, you know, the teams that LSU and Ohio State play. Um, and then I think number four, it's obviously that's going to be the pick, and who's going to play that number four spot? And I think it's, I, I'm, I feel like Utah has that chance, you know. Just, the, get that Pac-12 representation that we haven't been able to see um, in past years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while. You know, the, the last uh, Pac-12 representing from their conference in the college football playoffs was uh, Washington mm-hmm. a few years back. Um, so I agree with you. I'm going to go with Ohio State as number one seed overall. I just think they're super fast, super athletic uh, Fields is very a very great quarterback. You know, that um, the running back is very good. Uh, you know, Chase Young is a monster out there. And um, I think they might, if they win the college football playoffs, uh, we'll talk about this next semester, but if they win, they'll be considered one of the best um, college football teams of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I have LSU. Um, depending on if they win their conference championship against Georgia, uh, they'll. if they lose against Georgia, they'll probably drop in maybe three, I think, and then Georgia will be four. Um, and number three, I have Clemson. I still think this Clemson team is a, a very good uh, elite team. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, give them uh, a hard time that, you know, their conference is very weak, but I think this team is very bored, and... They want to get some more competitions (laughs) either they face, you know, against uh, Oklahoma or Utah in that number four spot. Um, Or I'm sorry, um, either face uh, the number two seed, whoever it is, either LSU or Ohio State. State. But um, I think this team will be in the finals, in my opinion. Uh, Number four, I have Oklahoma in this one. Um, I could see Utah getting in depending if – They blow out um, Oregon, uh, which they play their uh, conference championship this Friday. Um, I think Oklahoma will blow out um, Baylor in their conference championship in convincing fashion, and they'll show the committee, hey, we beat a very good ranked opponent twice Mm -hmm. already, dominant fashion. Let us get into the uh, college football playoff. Mm -hmm. And plus, Oklahoma has a... Good uh, quality ranked opponents, uh, mm-hmm. victories. So I have Oklahoma
1: as number four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we talked about Utah, Oklahoma. I think I think it's gonna come down to that one lost team that's gonna be in that uh, four spot.
0: Yeah, because I mean Georgia still has a chance mm-hmm. to make it to that yep. four spot. It, they had a, they mm-hmm. have to beat LSU, of course, in the SEC conference championship. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, if Pretty much Georgia beats LSU, their end. No matter matter what happens Mm -hmm. against Oklahoma and Utah.
1: But then that next question becomes, where does LSU go? Yeah. Um, I would think they would fall into, uh,
0: I think they'll fall three. Yeah, I think they'll go three and Georgia will be in four. So Georgia would, you know, presumably Georgia wins. Mm -hmm. Georgia faces Ohio State and LSU. Either way, LSU will face Clemson Mm -hmm. no matter what order it is. Mm -hmm. But I think um, LSU would fall into that third spot and they'll give it the second spot to Mm -hmm. Clemson if uh, Georgia beats LSU. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if any of these teams... Who
1: do you think will win this um, last fourth spot? I don't know. I think you've got... I think it's going to be between Georgia, Utah or Oklahoma, because what if
0: both of these games are close? Like, let's say Georgia loses, you know, they they don't make it because two losses. Mm -hmm. But what if these two teams, presumably Utah wins a close game, presumably, and Oklahoma winning against Baylor, a close game, presumably?
1: I think it's going to come down to then it's then it's going to be strength of schedule, and who who each of these teams have played. And that, that's what it's going to come down to. Because then, you know, let's say, what if Baylor beats Oklahoma? You know, and and depending how that game goes, yeah. Baylor could even move into that conversation as well.
0: Mm-hmm. It should be very interesting. But, you know, the one, two, three spots are all cleared up. Just that four they sh- has to they be... Should. Definitely
1: Ohio State and Clemson were yeah. most likely going to be in. Mm-hmm. LSU, it depends on how they do against Georgia, which also could affect um, Utah, Oklahoma, and possibly Baylor. Mm-hmm. All right. So,
0: like I said earlier in our intro of the show, you know, as the last episode of the fall semester, episode 13. Uh, you know, if any of you, um, listen to us weekly you can still listen to us on castbox.fm search under Aztec sportscast and you can listen to any episode we have throughout the whole uh, entire you know entire time we've been doing Mm -hmm. Aztec sportscast yeah
1: so all of this year all the way from our shows back in February when we started from last spring Mm
0: -hmm. okay let's talk about the NFL Um, but before we go to our picks which oh, game
1: stood days. out to you this uh, past weekend? I probably think the biggest game might have been the Texans, the Texans-Patriots game. Uh, you see Deshaun Watson, you know, getting, what, what was it, four touchdowns that, it, that he yeah, had? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one of them was on a trick play to win the game practically, that read option that he caught from, yeah, from uh, um, DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. and yep. diving into the end zone. Yeah. Um, I think that was probably one of the bigger games to watch. I mean, not only was it Sunday night, but you know you got to see our young quarterback go against Tom Brady, one of the best quarterbacks um, in all of football, really.
0: Yeah, and that was his uh, first um, time ever beating the mm-hmm. Patriots uh, for the Sean Watson. It's been quite some time th- since the last time the Texans, as an overall organization, has um, won against uh, mm-hmm. New England. So uh-huh. good props for uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Deshaun Watson, um, uh-huh. and the um, Texans. Uh-huh. One game that stood out to me, and I thought it was embarrassing uh, uh, before this game started, was um, Cleveland Browns uh, going to <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers won uh, twenty to thirteen. But I'm embarrassed. If I was the Cleveland um, Browns, I'd be embarrassed. You know, seeing Freddie Keschen. Uh, you know, it's posting somewhere on social media about oh the Steelers started the fight already, <laughs> and you don't see that with other head no. coaches at all. You no. don't see this from Bill Belichick. You don't see this from Sean Payton, Pete Carroll, well, uh, even, John Harbaugh. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah, even coaches like Anthony Lynn and yeah, and even some of those earlier you know coaches that have just started their coaching career, even Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because of you know people know that not only are they just uh, Anthony Lynn, but they're but it's who they represent. Yeah. And, you know, they were talking about this on First Take with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman. They were talking about it, and it's not just who you are, but who you represent.
0: Yeah, as a whole organization.
1: Mm-hmm. Even the, you know, bottom, bottom
0: organizations, such as, let's go with the Bengals, mm-hmm. their co- head coach is not going out there doing, no. you know, representing a bad face for mm-hmm. that organization. But... It was just an embarrassing overall, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. it's obvious Freddie mm-hmm. Kitchens is gonna get fired mm-hmm. by the end of the season.
1: Yeah, you're you're just you're not just Freddie Kitchens. You're Freddie Kitchens as one of only thirty-two head coaches in all of NFL, and mm-hmm. it's that representation and that class that you show to other people in the league. And I feel like the loss that they had on Saturday, Something. people people may have said that was because of may- Baker Mayfield, you know. But it was really because of Freddy Kitchen not being able to, Mm -hmm. you know, manage the time. And, you know, they were only down by touchdown with eight minutes to play. And, you know, it's kind of things like that that when you don't score, it's not going to help your team out.
0: No, not at all. All right. So we did our picks, our last picks last week. So... Let's start off with my pick. So, my lock pick I had the Saints waiting on Thanksgiving against the Falcons, which happened uh, hmm. 23 to 9. The Saints won. Unfortunately, uh, I was so confident about this pick. However, I forgot that the 49ers struggle against mobile quarterbacks, and the 49ers lost against Lamar uh, Jackson. Lamar Jackson getting again another 100 plus rushing yards. <laughs>
1: Although it wasn't just Lamar Jackson, it was also the kicker Justin Tucker. Yeah, yeah that last uh, kick, uh, mm-hmm. game-winning. Yep, game-winning forty-nine-yard mm-hmm. field goal to punch the win um, in Baltimore. Yes,
0: yeah, so I started. I lo- I pretty much lost the competition. I finished one and one. Brevin, do uh, you want to say your picks?
1: Yeah, I think. Well, heading into the week, you think the Eagles in Miami would be a, for sure lock probably. Eighty percent of everyone else thinking, oh yeah, that's gonna be a lock. The Eagles are gonna win this game, and then the game happens, and then it's obviously the total opposite. Um, the Eagles find a way to lose to the Dolphins. Well, they're it's would be worse for the upset team for the upset uh, pick, but for the Dolphins, they just found a way to win. They even put some trickery into that yep, win uh-huh. um, with their was it their punter throwing to their <laughs> kicker for a <laughs> that touchdown. Was crazy. Um and then the upset pick I had the Broncos finding a way to beat the Chargers and the Chargers just found another way to lose and it's uh turned out to turn uh I think it was like a forty plus yard uh yeah, pass, pass interference, interference call yep. that w- led to a game winning field goal field goal and the Chargers found a way to lose and the Broncos found a way to upset the Chargers
0: mm-hmm. so Brevin uh repeats uh back to back uh NFL picks this semester uh, brevin uh, finished the season 14 wins with 10 losses 58 percent winning percentage i finished the season 13 11 with a 54 percent winning percentage
1: not too bad i think it's obviously we could do better that's 10 losses we could have got for wins but yeah when you when you have picks like the eagles beating the dolphins and that doesn't happen it's kind of hurts yeah, especially <laughs> getting
0: a lot of O and twos too. It doesn't um, help at all. Yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> the time that we
1: each had four losses in a row or something like
0: that. Oh man! Um, just a shout out a uh, couple of our guests that uh, participated in our uh, competition. We had Kyle Betts. He's finished the season one and one.
1: Same with Kyle Saunders going
0: one and one. Uh-huh. Christian Ariz finished four and zero. Mm-hmm. Had uh, him on twice. Uh huh. And Daniel um, <laughs> so Daniel Farr. Far. Yep. finish two and zero.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about the Ravens and what Lamar Jackson's been able to do. Has is he kind of the clear cut favorite for MVP? Is or is there anybody else that um, can get to
0: that part? Well, we gotta wait and see what happens tonight. Mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks face the um, Vikings. So mm-hmm. if um, the discussion still wants to continue on, you know Russell West, uh, Wilson has to you mm-hmm. know perform um, great today.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah uh are there any other are there any other names in that mvP conversation right now I guess you can maybe
0: mention christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. but uh, one other one um i think christian McCaffrey is the only one that can um spark my mind right mm-hmm. now unless you have another person what about
1: like Michael Thomas or something like that of the saints
0: Michael Thomas for i can see him one mm-hmm. i i only see
1: both of those really
0: yeah yeah, me too. I can see Christian McCaffrey getting a couple votes. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, as of right now, you know, the Baltimore uh Ravens are the story of this NFL season. Mm-hmm. You know, the rapid growth of Lamar Jackson, um, overall just took by storm. You know, they've yep. beaten very good teams. They've beaten the Patriots, the Texans, Texans, and um there was a third one, I forgot. Um, they've beaten also Texans, Patriots. They oh, got the 49ers? Yes, 49ers, yes. Uh, yeah, the 49ers. Only happened yesterday, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: uh.
0: All right, uh, thanks for tuning in to Aztec Sportscast on KCR College Radio, the award-winning sound of state. We just discussed, we just discussed some football from the college level and the NFL level. Now let's talk about some uh, baseball and, you know, our last category of our decades team, we're going to start off. Uh, Brevin, why don't you start off with your top five uh, decades right. team?
1: Um, top five teams, I think, uh, middle of the year, middle of the decade, I think the Cubs, uh, 2016, you know, winning that World Series for that first time in 108 years. That's up there. 2015, the Royals winning um, their first title since 1985. Um, the t- I think when you think about the Giants, I think it's a toss-up between twenty twelve and twenty fourteen. You know, twenty fourteen they were that wild card team that won the World Series, but twenty twelve they won the division. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to go with that twenty twelve team, you know, winning that division. Um, I think the Cardinals in twenty eleven, and originally I had the Astros um, from seventeen, but I'm gonna switch that to the two thousand thirteen Red Sox.
0: Wow, interesting. All right, so I'll start off with mine five to one. I got the two thousand eleven uh, Cardinals as five uh, recent champion that just happened this year. Two thousand nineteen uh, Nationals finally uh, winning a championship after disappointing seasons after season with Bryce Harper and well, you know without him they won the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought of that I know, coming into the so, year?
1: That's so bizarre. And, th- and then in your first 50 games, you only win 19 of them. Yeah. And then after that, you go and win the World Series.
0: <laughs> That's just crazy
1: how that happens.
0: Uh, number three, I got the 2016 Cubs, you know, breaking that um, forever curse they had. Um, number two, I have the 2012 um, Giants in there. You know, they won the division that year. They came back, uh, if I'm not mistaken, against the Reds and the St. Louis mm-hmm. Cardinals, you know, and... And elimination games, and you know, dominated the Detroit Tigers, fwe- <laughs> sweeping them, um, in that year. And then I had my number one, the 2018 um, Red Sox. Uh-huh. That team was just dominant from the playoffs. You know, had a gentleman sweep against the Yankees, gentleman's sweep for the Astros, and pretty much that could have been a sweep against the Dodgers if it weren't. For that crazy, you oh. know, long extra <laughs> eighteen inning, inning game, 18 inning oh game but they also got a gentleman sweep against the Dodgers mm-hmm. in that year. All right, some quick free agency news. Uh, yep. You know, the Reds signed Mike Moustakas to a contract of four years worth sixty-four million uh, dollars. Do yeah, you think-
1: he's he's going to be playing not third base, but he's going to move across the diamond to play second base. Mm-hmm. Well, not right. really across the diamond, but
0: you know, across. He's going to move move around in yeah. the field and play second mm-hmm.
1: base. All
0: right. So from the list that I um, have, Brevin, I have the Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, Zach Wheeler, Manson, Bob Gardner, Hung-Jung uh, Ryu from the starting pitchers. Uh, from the position players, Anthony Rendon, Josh Donaldson, Nicholas uh, As- Castellanos, uh, Marcel Suna. Yaciel Puig, Dede Gregorius, and Howie uh, Kendrick. Give me one starting pitcher and one position players of who will sign, which team will sign a player.
1: Um, I think Anthony Rendon stays in Washington. I think for what he did for that city to become that icon for that team, whether he won the World Series MVP or not, I think he stays in Washington. Um, starting pitcher, I think Garrett Cole is gonna go to he's he's gonna come somewhere south to the southwest and either be an angel with um Mike Trout or he's gonna be here in San Diego with Eric Hosmer.
0: <laughs> That's the dream. Uh. All right, so. I got Garrett Cole going to the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Yankees are an ace away from, you know, being heavy favorites to win the might World need Series. a second
1: ace. <laughs>
0: well, it's debatable in that sense, but I think <laughs> Garrett Cole is that player oh, yeah. uh-huh. to be that workhorse all season long. I have the Yankees signing Garrett Cole for a record-breaking uh, pitcher contract. Uh, for the... Position players, I got um Anthony Rendon going to Texas Rangers. Actually, you know they have a big hole at third base for the Rangers, mm-hmm. and I think they can sign Anthony Rendon to a you know very good contract. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get on to our Padre news. Oh, I we got g- another one oh, for you too. Ahead. The the list, DD right.
1: Gregorius. Where? Um, it's gonna go to well. That signing doesn't help with Mustakis, but. DJ Gregorius could go to he can go maybe the Rockies and play second base. Although you got Ryan McMahon and stuff, well. He could he could maybe find a fit in Colorado, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. Alright, so we got about ten minutes
0: in our show in our show, so let's talk about some Padres. Um before we unveil the recent trade that happened today. Uh, in the afternoon uh, the Padres last week traded um, second baseman Luis Urias and Eric Lauer and player to be announced or cashed to the Milwaukee Brewers for Trent um, Gresham and uh, Zach Davies mm-hmm. what was your reaction from that trade
1: I think it you um, add to that starting pitching I think You know, for Zach Davies, he won 10 games, you know, an ERA of about three and a half. And I think Zach Davies helps the starting rotation out. And then I think you think about Trent Grisham, you know, despite having that misplay that he had in that wildcard game. He's a guy that can, he's a left-handed hitter. He can give you some, a little bit of power, you know, being left-handed. He can get on base. He had, I think, 32 home runs in AAA. Um and can fill the void um in that infield for the Padres. Andrew, Andrew what were your thoughts on that trade? Um, my
0: thoughts were were n- were neutral, but kind of disappointed because um they undervalue uh or Other teams, I feel like undervalue Luis Arias, and they took the opportunity, which hmm. was the. Milwaukee Brewers mm-hmm. and have it have they traded Urias in the trend line? I think they could have gotten more mm-hmm. than what they have, what yeah. they got. Mm-hmm. That was my initial uh, reaction, but it is what it is right now. So, um, in transition to that, um, the Padres, uh, got presumably right now just a void for a second baseman and that's uh, Profart. Mm-hmm. They just, some pro-far. yeah, they just traded with mm-hmm. the, um, Oakland A's today in the afternoon. So the Padres will be sending catcher Austin Allen and a player to be uh, announced later to Oakland and the Padres get pro far.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, when Texas was here, I think it was two years ago, pro four hit that home run in that seventh inning or something like that. I got that home run. Oh, nice. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, I think it's fine uh, trade. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't give
0: up too much prospects. Uh-uh. However, there are, um, there's one thing that kind of irks me a little bit. It's adding payroll. So Proffer will be earning five million dollars, and Zach Davies will be earning approximately uh, five million dollars. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's ten million dollars combined into the payroll and. I think right now they're at maybe 133 Mm -hmm. payroll, including Will Myers contract (laughs) for 21 million, which I hope is that that's their goal in the winter meetings to unload uh that contract, to have payroll flexibility because there's still, um, uh, holes to be filled into this roster. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, I think it's a fine move. I think, They'll try to uh, get another second baseman. As uh, A.J. Casabell tweeted out, they could add more second baseman. You know, it's going to be a li- an expensive. Pl- I I see as a platoon mm-hmm. with, I, as of right now with Profar and uh, Garcia. Mm-hmm. Garcia facing right-handed pitchers and mm-hmm. Profar uh, facing left-handed pitchers. Mm-hmm. And then you got Ian
1: Kinsler in that mix too.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well they they had to um, move someone in the forty man roster, so yeah, maybe it can be Kinsler. I don't maybe. know. Maybe, but so he's on he... that.
1: He's got another year on that contract. I know, but this ownership will still eat
0: that contract mm-hmm. if they have to release him. But um, mm-hmm. n- another um, you know, roster move that happened. The Padres signed back uh, Drew Pomeranz mm-hmm. uh, for a four-year contract worth thirty-four million dollars. You know, part of the um, signing bonuses that he'll be earning eight million dollars will be deferred and will be paid in between twenty twenty all the way to twenty twenty three. What was your reaction to that signing?
1: I think it just elevates how much bullpen um, need is going to be. I think when you think about left-handed relievers, now how important. They have been, but now with that rule that you have to pitch a whole inning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with Drew Pomerantz being that former starter, like how he was in the playoff for Milwaukee, yeah. being in that bullpen, I think kind of elevated that use of a bullpen arm, especially as a former starting pitcher.
0: Yeah, because you know he pitched with the uh, Giants, mm-hmm. you know, as a as starter, started. and
1: wasn't working out at mm-hmm. all.
0: Basically, he hasn't worked at all since he got traded for the Padres, Uh you know, it didn't work out with the Boston Red Red Sox Sox. Uh or um, the Giants. And um, did he pitch in with another team? No. Okay, so only those two teams, he he wasn't successful as a starting pitcher. So Uh now um, he'll be a reliever exclusively for the Padres. So it Uh should be a nice little combo Uh with Munoz,
1: Drew, and Kirby Yates. Uh And then you've got um, possibly... um, Matt Strom in that bullpen, too. Yeah, uh-huh. So you got a um, quality
0: uh, left-handing pitchers. We've um, got about three minutes left. Um, just going to give you one rapid-fire um, question, uh, Brian from the Padres. How important is it signing Fernando Tatis to an extension uh, during this offseason?
1: I think it's on the list of goals, but I don't think it's at the top. I think because you think about yours have control that Fernando Tatis has. I know that the value is just going to raise higher and higher if you don't give him the contract. So I think it's up there, but I don't think it's number one priority right now.
0: Yeah, I agree with with your statement. Um, I think, yeah, it is on top of their list, but it's not priority. But I would feel like next uh, season... or Maybe next year. Yeah, Mm -hmm. next year. Try to get an extension mm-hmm. for it because yeah, he'll be expensive. The more mm-hmm. you know, plays out great um, in the next couple of years. Yeah, I
1: think it depends on how he will, do, how he does in 2020 with possibly playing a whole 160, 162 games. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, winter meetings are here in San Diego. Um, yeah, Andrew, next week. Mm-hmm. What do the Padres do at the winter meetings?
0: I think their goal is try to uh, unload um, Will Myers' contract. I think that would be the biggest goal in the winter meetings, either during
1: or after. Mm -hmm. What about you? What's yours? I think it's Will contract as well as, I think, seeing what that center field outfield spot's going to be in 2020. I mean, you've got Manny Margot, but then behind him, I don't know if Taylor Tramiel's ready to be in center field come 2020 as a backup for Margot.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't think he'll be ready. Uh, mm-hmm. Tramiel, Tramiel, I think probably maybe mid season mm-hmm. or late season he'll come up. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I mean, there's there should be a lot of lot of movement going on. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. better hold on to your and seats for and another. And it's already started. <laughs> yeah, it's already started. So might as well get ready for another Prelapalooza Palooza 2.0, <laughs> whatever they call it, back in 2000. Uh. 15 <laughs> all right you got about one minute so we're gonna uh close up right now anything you want to say Remy?
1: we just want to andrew and i we like to thank all of you for tuning in to aztec sports this entire semester we thank you for um enduring all the hardships that we've been through this semester uh, you know when things didn't go really as planned yeah exactly
0: and also very quick uh, Shout out to our guests as well Thank mm-hmm. you uh, Both Kyles Christian Daniel And uh, missing mm-hmm. Luke Barcou. And Luke Barku as well Helping us with that interview uh-huh. Alright You have a great uh, Rest of your uh, Holiday season We'll see you next semester Bye bye